Welcome to Wise Women Speak with Linda Pritcher and Lana Bastianuti, where we give voice to the wisdom in women. Hi, Linda. Hi, Lana. Uh, Lana and I are here uh, today with Kylia Starr, and uh, we're welcoming her to the Wise Women Speak podcast studio. Welcome, Kylia. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. We're, I'm going to read a little bit about you. Kylia is a lover of all things wild. She is a wise woman in her own right. She loves nature, and she's an herbalist. Uh, she uses the plant world to heal others. She is also a cranial sacral practitioner, a Reiki master, a shamanic practitioner, and a coach who teaches the principles of innate mental, spiritual, and physical health. So, Kylia, we were just chatting earlier, and Kylia mentioned that um, she refers to herself as a green witch. And we thought it would be fascinating to start off our conversation with, why is that? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I was born on Halloween. Mm. So uh, it was, are you a pumpkin? Are you a scare, you know? And I always uh, identified with the occult, with witchcraft, with the unseen, just Mm. was something as a child that I was curious about. Nobody else in my family was, but I was. And people used to ask me, are you a black witch or a white witch? Because that's sort of the, yeah, that's as much as people know. And I realized um, as my love of plants was developing in my early, uh, really my teens and 20s, that I was a green witch, that my love of plants um, was, and making medicines from plants and finding out about how they were able to help us heal, help us be healthy, um, that was a part of my path. So that became something that I continued to pursue and um, was very comfortable (laughs) Calling myself comfortable being a green witch. A green witch. Yeah, I've it never was, heard that term before. Oh, I'm uh-huh. absolutely fascinated by it. In the it. herbal world, it's yeah, you know, it's or in the pagan, you know, witchcraft world, it'll be. Well, you mentioned <coughs> pagan. Now, <laughs> do you want to go back to? I don't know if this suits, but the original definition of witch, as I understand it, mm-hmm. the real definition of a witch is someone who. Um, male or female, who works and understands the unseen world, right? Mm. The world that's just beyond our conscious awareness, which we all have access to, but we've forgotten. Yeah. And my beginning path was through the world of plants. My husband will also tell me often you are on plant time, you know, he's on whatever, speed speed all the time. <laughs> but um, so the original, you know, understanding of a witch is someone who works and plays and listens and gets information in the, uh, from the unseen world. Or in the shamanic traditions, they call it the alternate reality, which they consider is really the only reality. This every day is something we make up. 
So that's, you know, and witchcraft, um, we work with the elements, we work with the uh, planets, we work with the stars, we work with the planets, connecting and communicating with them and bringing their wisdom and their ancient, ancient knowledge out to people to help them. That's my definition. Now, there mm. are many definitions of witchcraft, but that's um, taken from some ancient Celtic um, and other ancient traditions. Mm. Celtic is my main background. but So you've referenced sort of the invisible world mm-hmm. a few times already. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say people aren't seeing as they navigate this world? Some things as simple as um, when you're with a person, they're saying something, but you might have a feeling that they actually mean something else. That's one level of unseen. They're speaking some words, but you have a sense somewhere, whether it's in your gut or your heart or your mind, not quite what they mean. That's one level of it. And then in the plant world, the plants, the trees, the bushes, the forests, the critters that live in the soil, they all um, have ways of communicating. And if we're able to, if we are willing and able to slow down enough because it is a much slower kind of um, time-space continuum. Uh, We can listen. So a lot of how I started working with plants was I studied all this sort of scientific and understanding about what a plant was good for, but I also sat with the plants and listened to hear what they had to tell me about how they can be used, and that's a whole vast world. Then there's in the shamanic tradition, there's what they call the alternate reality or the unseen world, which is the what we might understand as the spiritual side of life, the spirit in all things, the life force that breathes through us, that breathes through the earth, that breathes through all the plant life, all the animals. There's intelligence in that spiritual life force that um, has so much that it can teach us. And we've forgotten to, um, first of all, recognize, we've forgotten that that's there. And so then we forget to listen. And we forget that there's a whole world of of wisdom, of information, of intelligence that we're, we have access to, but we, we've forgotten. When you encounter people, do you see people who are asleep to this other spiritual nature that's within them? And what does that look like? And did you ever fall asleep to it? Or have you always been connected and just that's been strengthened? And how did you strengthen it? Mm-hmm. To your first question, yes, I, I see and am with people all the time, and that's a part of the work that I do 
which is to uh, ultimately that's I would say probably the most essential piece that I hope to do, which is to wake people up to that first to their own inner nature, and then to the vast array of um, intelligence and life force that's available. If if they're curious, usually if they come to see me, they are. Um, I always was this way. I I can't explain. It, it's not like I had um, a big awakening, but as a kid, I always was. And then when I was seven, my family moved to India. And I kind of grew up in India for five years, seven to 12 years old. Now that's a big place where, a uh, big land and culture where spirituality is just understood as a part yeah. of life for most. Kind most of people. in the soil. Right. right. Yeah. So when I moved there, I completely opened up and realized I was home because I learned about reincarnation. I learned, I learned much more deeply about this idea that I knew, but nobody around me would, you know, knew about it. Or I because could your family was not, yeah, no, was not on the same wavelength as no, you. No, no, they just yeah. didn't. You know, they didn't. It's not the way they rolled, really. Yeah. You know, so, um, so that just began to grow, grow and grow. Do I go asleep? Absolutely, sometimes I do. <laughs> but I have the, um, it can't last for long because it feels bad. That's just what I will say. It feels bad and, and you know, it might go on for a, a while and I'll realize, oh my gosh, you know. Because yeah, sometimes you just go to sleep consciously or unconsciously. Um, but it doesn't last very long and it doesn't feel very good because I know too much already. I know, um, what's available and what's, um, available within us and all around us. So it kind of wakes you up at a certain point. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sometimes I'll get a knock on the head. Yeah. <laughs> That's fascinating. I'm interested when you said earlier that you're on plant time. Mm. What does your husband mean by that? My sense of time is has just always been um, different. Different. Um, I have been accused often of being late, and that was one of Ken's problems. You know, is you know you're late. No. We had a yeah. date, you know, this time. I'm sorry, you know. wasn't like I was w wasting time. I, um, and, you know, so I have a watch now. I can be much more aware of time. And um, the sense of plant time is, it, it, it's like it has longer spans of um awareness. And I'm, I'm the kind of person that's much more in the moment, right here, right now. To me and my understanding, that's all there is. Yes. So 
if somebody's, you know, it's not like I don't operate in the uh, normal world, keep time schedules, keep appointments. Um, but my preference and the way that I work with someone is I want that sense of um, timelessness so that we can step into something that's very awake, very present, very here and now. That's where I think we're able to access who we really are yeah. in the moment. I think there's so many things we don't give the present moment its due. We're always rushing somewhere. We're always rushing. Yeah. yeah. To some place we don't even, some place that doesn't exist. Really. Well, that's the problem. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that we've created, right, in our minds. I'm curious about, uh, you talked about, you've, you have this knowing. Mm. And sometimes people will say, they, they won't understand the distinction between knowing and knowing. Mm -hmm. And I know it's, it's sort of difficult to describe with words, mm -hmm. but I'm curious if you can sort of touch that place to help people understand what you mean by that knowing mm -hmm. versus just intellectual knowing. Right. For yeah. example, even listening to plants, like how do you do that? Mm -hmm. How does one sit with plants and, and become mm -hmm. aware? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a really good question. Um, as a, as a child, I, um, I just, so here's a, here's a funny thing about language, right? Um, I'm an intuitive or another word is called a psychic. Um, and I don't do psychic readings. It's just a skill that I have and that I've developed and I use in my life and my work. Um, so as a child, I, I knew things. I sometimes would see things, although my skills aren't so much in visual. You know, I'm not a clairvoyant as many are. I know things. So it was just um, um, a sense, an idea or a thought, I suppose, would come through me, would come up into my mind, and there it was. Um, it's, I think we all have that ability if we were to pay attention to it. In other words, it's like, it's connecting. Some people may call it, you know, listening to my gut or listening to my intuition or to my heart. Those are all very similar. However, the knowing also, um, comes with knowing certain things that I couldn't possibly, you know, I didn't, wasn't given to me, but it was just kind of dropped down as, as the way it feels. Can you give us an example of that? Um, yeah, and you asked about the plants. How does one do that? Well, I studied um, with a Cherokee man about plant wisdom. Um, I was in a program learning about the use of herbs for medicine and wild plants for food. And 
in his tradition, and this is the way many Native people learned, they would journey to the plants. Or they would come into the plant's world, the jungle, wherever they were living, the field, the forest, with someone in mind. Someone had come to them with a problem. Say, headaches, we'll just make that up, right? They'll journey to the plant, which we can talk about that, what that is later, but it's um, making a connection with the plant and asking them for advice. So they usually have a relationship already on that level. But what, what he taught me was, you know, this certain plant is good for, you know, X, Y, Z, these various things. But on a um, spiritual level, energetic level, they can be good for other things too. And they'll let you know about that. There's a man who wrote a book and has done a lot of work called uh, Plant Spirit Medicine, which is just that. His name is Elliot Cohen. He's, um, it's something that he learned from ancient indigenous people too, to learn how to communicate on that spirit energetic level with the plants. So they're giving you information that's not just about the physical constituents of the plant that you might want to use, but the more energetic, more um, spiritual principles that also might be good. Because in fact, we are not just a body. We are not just a mind. We have a spirit and energy body as well. And that needs to be nourished and tended to as well. Does that help? Yeah, that's very helpful. Um, I'm curious, you, you said that um, you're psychic, not in the clairvoyant way, but things would come to you. I'm wondering, as you were growing up with this sort of ever-present knowing, and as it probably grew as you grew up and experienced India and all of that, were you ever afraid of it? Did you ever have a period where you were like, what, what is this? I wasn't afraid of it, but there were uh, there was a few incidences that happened where I really did see things and um, was told, "No, you don't." And I saw the reaction of people around me, and I realized, "Oh shit, that's not okay to say." So. In some ways, as a child, I kind of shut down a lot of it. And this happens to a lot of people who are intuitive. They shut down because the world outside isn't able to handle it. So I did in some ways and then kind of recovered it many, many years later. And uh, things would just come back to me and I realized, oh, yeah, that's right. I did see that as I began to give my give myself more and more permission and feel more and more okay and comfortable and like I just didn't care anymore, which is much more where I'm at now. Um, doesn't matter to me, you know. Um, so that happens to a lot of people, though, and and in fact, many people have those little, you know hits or insights, yeah, inspirations. That's where it's coming from, is your own intuition 
And that intuition is a skill, um, is a sense, a perception, like seeing and hearing and speaking, that we've just lost touch with. And because we've lost touch with it and we don't um, develop it and feed it, believe it, it just kind of withers away and hangs out in the background there and, you know. Waiting that maybe one day you'll... Yeah. Notice it, and yeah. water it, and yeah, it'll come right. alive. And again. that's and actually, you... you know, what happened with me. And um, there were aspects of it that were open all the time, and then there were some that were just, nope, just don't go there. So, you know, everybody has access to that. And in the sort of ancient indigenous worlds, children are born, that's just a given. You, you know, you have th- that spiritual intuitive nature in a in a child as they grow is nurtured and fed and they develop it in the way that they want to i remember uh reading uh a while back now actually uh but it was about indigenous um groups and at one time they could commune with the earth to the extent that they knew when the earth was hurt by a violent act, for example, mm-hmm. if if somebody had been hurt in a certain part of their community, they could retrace the steps and find the spot, and then they would do a healing on that spot. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is just incredible to me, that, that level of connection. This is, I imagine, what you're pointing to. Yeah, it's happening all over the world these yeah. days. The indigenous people are being, first of all, their traditions, their wisdom, their knowledge um, in most of the indigenous cultures got taken away from them. They were shut down. Things were taken away from them. Land was taken away from them, our very own native people here. Um, But they're all being called now. They're being called by their elders, by others, to come forth because they know this time their knowledge, their connection with life, with the earth, with the plants, with the animals is necessary. And so they're being called to come out and um, that's why we see more and more um, healers, shamanic practitioners, elders, Native um, Indigenous people coming, particularly here to this country, but all over the world, to share and to teach, which for many years they didn't because that was dangerous for them. And many of them come (laughs) kicking and screaming. Um, But yes, that's, that's something that's done really all over the world. And it's done mostly quietly, but in very reverent and powerful ways. So how do you help people that you work with? How mm-hmm. do you take all of that you've been sharing with us and mm-hmm. um, and and work with individuals, mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. helping to wake them up? Yeah. Well, it, of course, depends on what they're originally coming for, you know? Um, So my first um, 
job is to develop really good rapport with them and to really listen as much as I need to listen um, to both what they're saying to me and what I'm hearing underneath. Um, Yeah, I would think listening for you would not be in the way that most of us think about it. You know, we're, we're, we're listening to speak, we're listening to share, you're listening at multiple levels, it sounds like. Yeah, well, yeah. it all comes in, uh, believe it or not, it's not like I'm seriously multitasking all the time. Yeah. It all kind of comes in together, but there will be times when um, I'm definitely hearing more than what the words are telling me. And then there's the body and the language of the body, which I'm very well versed in. So that's the first thing, is to really um, listen as deeply as possible, to, to hear why are they really coming and what are they really looking for. And then we begin on a journey. Um, I... Um, I don't claim that I heal people. I don't. I think they discover that for themselves, and that's really important. So if people come and, you know, want to be fixed, I say, you know, I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not in the fixer. business of yes. fixing. I can help you learn about yourself so that you can, and by the way, you don't need to be fixed. You know, there's nothing to fix. Yeah. But I can help you learn all about yourself as much as you want to know so that you can be as healthy and vital as you want to be. So um, that can go uh, towards more of a coaching kind of thing where I'm teaching them about principles of innate health, um, innate wealth, wisdom, and how they best access that. And we'll do that through just, you know, sitting together and talking, really. Um, It could be that we embark on doing more of a shamanic journey, shamanic kinds of healing, where they'll discover um, compassionate helpers that are in the spirit world that they work with. Um, Or we may just do some healing body work, cranial sacral reiki, other kinds of energy work that helps a person relax so deeply that they're able to really kind of let go of a lot um, mentally, physically, you know, intellectually. And that takes them to another place that they're able to contact themselves. You know, I was with someone yesterday and sharing a little bit about what I do. And he said, how do you put all that together? <laughs> and I said, well, it just works. You it know, does, of course, yes. I don't do all yeah. of it at once. But um, it again, I'm working with my own helpers and, and guides and my own um, knowing and wisdom. And it just generally flows. And of course, I'm taking in as much information from the person who I'm sitting with, um, their feedback and what helps, what doesn't help, you know, what works, what feels right. That's what's most important, not what my information is. So I'm always funneling it through their wisdom. You know, I always want to hear, what does your wisdom tell you? 
That's right. Yeah. Waking people up to the wisdom within. Yeah. And it's there for everyone. And I, I think one of the things, the, one of the first things you said, which I loved because it's so relatable to people, mm. is we've all experienced times when somebody has been talking to us, but we can feel on another level right. that what they're saying with their words is not what they really mean or how they really feel. Mm-hmm. Just if people can recognize that, as, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's true. I've experienced that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a window to what you're, you know, the beginning level of what you're talking about. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I often will uh, have people reflect a little bit um, because when we're children, we're much more in touch with our inner world, you know, for lack of a better phrase. And that's where that knowing and that wisdom you know, comes from. And kids have that inner world going on. And at some point, um, you know, that begins to fade into the background when we kind of think we have to, you know, get into the (laughs) adult world and, you know, have a life. Uh, I've watched my kids and my grandkids make those transitions, you know. Um, So I'll often have people reflect, uh, you know, when you were a kid, do you remember you know, a time when you felt like this, whatever, you know, when you knew something, you had no idea where it came from, where you understood something, or when you heard your mom saying something, but you realized she was actually saying something else. So again, to help them reflect, that does, yes, then help them realize, oh yeah, you know, I do have that ability. Yeah. I've just forgotten. That reliable, intuitive ability mm-hmm. existing within. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That people lose sight of. Yeah, we just forget. We just forget. And we forget and we forget and we forget. Um, and that's not a bad thing. What, um, and there's no bad really, but to just recognize, oops, you know, fell asleep for a little bit. Oops, I forgot. Yeah, That's no all judgment. it is. Yeah, yeah, because you don't need to add <laughs> that on top of, no. you know, people, because of the world that we live in, um, it's generally, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll uh, that saying, you know, out of the mouth of babes, right? Children will say things oftentimes as they see it. And then as adults, we realize, you know, we have to kind of, you know, tailor it a little bit so this person can hear it. Well, uh, you know, we've all been around people who are adults and they just speak their mind. And there's something that's incredibly refreshing about that, you know, it, it because it has a ring of truth and we all need that. And we ultimately really want that, I think. Yeah, there's something that resonates within you when you hear that. It it just goes deep. It doesn't seem like chatter, you know, a lot of superfluous chatter, which seems to be right. a very common way that people engage with each other mm-hmm. and with themselves. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They never take a look. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. Yeah. 
And is, you've been looking there all your life. That's fascinating. Is there a way that uh, people can strengthen this connection with that inner wisdom or guidance that we all have, we're all born with because we cannot deny we have this spiritual component. But is there something that we can leave our listeners with just to test this out, practice this, reflect on this? Absolutely. Yeah. The first, first thing is to believe in yourself, to stop doubting. We, we do that all the time oh, no, I really didn't think that. Oh, you know, that wasn't really true. So to um, act as if, act on your um, intuitions. And if some of them don't work out, so what? So you just, you know, you set that aside. That's information. Okay, that didn't quite work out. But you can sort of be your own um, scientist in a way um, and uh, see it as an experiment. But our our initial tendency is to always discount if it's not something that, you know, came from a book or, you know, um, uh, something that we learned in school or somebody told us. If it just came to us, you know, I can't tell you how many times I've had to explain myself because I said, I just know. They're like, give me the proof. I just know. So I had to learn, and that's what I help people learn too, is to just begin to trust, to stop doubting, and know that sometimes it's going to be right on, sometimes it won't be. And the more that you trust, the more you're going to become more and more accurate. Because it's a, it, it's a, it, it feeds on itself. Just the way if you continue to doubt yourself in any capacity, that begins to be the normal. It's an experiment, really. Um, yeah, life's you know, great experiment. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I went, you know, it did endless psychic development classes because it was what I was interested in, and programs and clairvoyant trainings. So those are the kinds of things that we would do in there, too. Trust your information. Trust your information. Trust your inner little glimpses of something that comes. And if it turns out to not be right, fine, just just discard it. Realize, okay, that, you know, that wasn't right. It's a simple uh, a simple thing. And we as women in particular aren't encouraged to trust that. Right? I think boys are more encouraged to do that. Girls aren't. Girls, you know, we were encouraged, at least I was when I was growing up, you know, be nice, you know, mm. say things that are nice. Don't, you know, don't make somebody upset. Right. Um, be appropriate in all be circumstances. Appropriate. Right. Right. We were all encouraged to do that, but then mm -hmm. we were also encouraged to, to take the temperature of the room and know where everybody was. So we were using this sort of energetic information to sort right. of gauge everybody. And yet, no, don't use your intuition. Don't use that same tool for yourself. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. needs to be overridden by your be nice, be kind, be good, do for others. Right. Yeah, that was the programming. Yeah. So w in trusting, we have to be willing to just you know, ditch the programming. Yeah. After all, that's all you got. 
It is. That is all you got. That's a good note to end. I know. It's a perfect, perfect ending, Kylea. This has been absolutely fascinating Mm -hmm. conversation. We've so appreciated your spending your your time with us. How would they get in touch with you or get more information if they wanted to? Well, I do have a website, kyliastar.com. And that would be the easiest way. Yeah, phone number and email and everything is on there. Perfect. So Perfect. That's great. Thank you. Yeah. Oh, thank this you. This has been really, really fun. Really delightful. Yeah. Thank you. A pleasure. Yeah. Thank you. Hours. <laughs> okay, Linda. <laughs> okay. Till next time. Until next time. This is a wrap, Lana. Wise Women Speak. <laughs> okay. Bye. You've been listening to Wise Women Speak. If you'd like to hear more, please go to wisewomenspeakpodcast.com or find us on iTunes. <laughs>